We're neck and neck in the final week of the campaign. Could Maxime Bernier and the People's Party of Canada make the difference in this election campaign? I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show. Hi everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, please don't forget to like this video and hit the subscription button. Please subscribe to True North to stay in touch with everything that's happening in the campaign, in Canadian politics. We will be here with you every step of the way throughout the rest of the campaign and we'll be coming live on election night to break everything down, to give you the results as they come in. We'll have lots of exciting and interesting guests and we'll be there all night with you. So please consider joining us for that live broadcast. Now, like I said, this election is incredibly close. It's too close to call. And to help us make sense of the recent numbers and to look at what's happening across the country, I am joined by True North's in-house pollster, Hamish Marshall. Hi, Hamish, how are you? Hi, Candace, how's it going? So I, I think what we're seeing at this point in the campaign, Hamish, is more or less evening out. Depending on the poll, the Tories might be up a few uh, points, Liberals might be up a few points. But for best you can tell, us, it's the same result as what we saw in your poll that we did through True North last week, which is that the parties are not going to that. It's virtually a tie. So what, what does this mean? What, what can we make of this at this point in the campaign? Well, it's it's actually it's fascinating because what we're seeing is you're right. The, the national polls are all sort of coming together. Generally speaking, it looks like liberals have perhaps a slight lead, maybe a percent, maybe maybe less than a percent. So it's really extraordinarily close. And the really uh, complicated thing is that, you know, Canada, we don't really have an election across the country. We have dozens of regional elections because what's happening in different parts of, of, of the country is very, very, very different. And um, so the real story is in the regional poll and what's happening in each of the provinces and even sub-regions. And the, the, I guess, frustrating thing is with all these polls being very close, there actually isn't a great deal of agreement on what's going on. Some areas, some, some polls that have, might have a similar overall number show Liberals pulling away in Ontario, and other ones show a very, very close race in Ontario. So I, I, it's, it's, it's very, very difficult to say exactly what's going to happen right now. Um, the polls are not especially helpful um, in that. Uh, generally speaking, I think though, if if the uh, if we're tied in the polls on election day, that's probably a structural advantage to the Liberals. You know, the Conservatives won uh, the last election uh, with, uh, with with one point one percent of the popular vote, but obviously lost the, the seats. Or the Liberals won won thirty seven or thirty six rather more seats than the Conservatives. Uh, the Conservatives don't aren't don't seem to be as far ahead in Alberta and Saskatchewan as they were uh, last time, but they still have a structural advantage, which means that, or so the Liberals have a structural advantage, which means that, that the exact same number of, they both get the exact same number of votes nationwide, the Liberals will probably win the most seats. That's really interesting. Well, I, I saw an article that sort of stuck out to me because it, it reminded me a little bit of your writings to watch uh, report that you did for us, except for it really only focused on three cities. So, so it was in the National Post. It was uh, you know these three area codes could determine who wins the election, and they basically broke it down to the four five zero, which is the area around Montreal that the Liberals desperately need to win uh, and win back against the Bloc. We have the nine hundred five, which is the belt around the, the the sort of suburban belt around Toronto that. Uh, Stephen Harper was able to do really, really well back in 2011, um, and right now it's pretty much a liberal stronghold. And then we have the 604, which is Vancouver proper, and that's typically a very, very strong 
uh, place for the Liberals. I know that, that two of those seats right now are held by the NDP. One is held by an independent, Jody Wilson-Raybal, who's not seeking re-election. So the Liberals need to win all of those. But according to polling, Hamish, it shows that the Liberals are in third place in Vancouver, which is really shocking. I don't think I've seen um, Conservatives do this well or at least appear to be doing this well in Vancouver in a very long time. So I, I, I was wondering if you could just sort of comment, is is this election really going to boil down to just the three biggest cities in the country? It's such a big such a big country. There's so much going on. It, it, is it these three? And, and can you comment on each of the three uh, cities to see how, how each party is doing? Sure. We'll go, we'll go east to west. Uh, so in Montreal, uh, there's this band of, of seats uh, in the, the 450 area code around the city. So you aren't really the seats on the island of Montreal. It's the, what they call the Rive Nord and Rive Sud, um, uh, suburban bedroom communities. Uh, and a lot of these seats are very classic liberal bloc uh, swing seats. And those are the seats the liberals want to win, places like Cluvial de Mille-Ile, La Prairie, Longueuil Saint-Hubert, uh, suburban seats where they, in many cases, liberals won these seats in 2015, lost them in 2019. The bloc's trying to take them back. But there's also a few seats that the bloc want to pick up themselves. Um, you know, the bloc across Quebec missed uh, eight more seats by, I think, less than 2,000 votes or, or less than... Uh, so it's, it, there's a lot of very close seats in Quebec. And this goes to my point about the regional polling. We've, we've seen uh, polling numbers in Quebec that, that are very inconsistent. Some polls will show the, the block uh, up over last time, which means they're probably going to be cutting into those liberal seats, could win two or three seats off the liberals, which means the liberal quest for a majority is that much harder. It means the conservatives need to win less seats in the rest of the country in order to get ahead of the liberals. On the other hand, there's regional polling that seems to show that the liberals have opened their lead over the block a little bit more, and the liberals could win two or three seats over uh, over the out of, off the block, which means that, or maybe even four seats off the block, which means that uh, conservatives and NDPers have to win more seats in other parts of the country in order to 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 to, to offset that. Um, and right now, I don't think anybody uh, truly knows which way it's going to go. It's going to be very tight. Um, but these suburban seats around Montreal are, are very important. Uh, in suburban Toronto, you're right, the 905 was, was obviously swept by Harper in, in 2011 uh, and, and then virtually swept by, by Trudeau in, uh, in, in 2015. And, and the Conservatives and Liberals won the same number of seats as they did in, in 2019 as they did in 2015, although the exact seats changed a little bit. I, I don't think at this point any of the polling seems to suggest that there's a knife edge where, where you know, 15 or 20 of these seats is gonna, is gonna switch. But everything looks like right now is that there's a few seats the Conservatives didn't win by a lot last time, or sorry, didn't lose by a lot last time, which are uh, in play. So a place like Whitby, uh, which is right, which is uh, adjacent to Oshawa, is in Durham region where Aaron O'Toole is from, uh, or a seat like uh, King Vaughan, uh, which is the Northern uh, rural part, we've talked about it earlier. Um, and then there's a seat like Richmond Hill, where the Conservatives lost by a couple hundred votes. The twist is in a seat like Richmond Hill, which has been very, very interesting, is obviously we're seeing the, P the PPC cost the Conservatives that seat in the last election, because PPC is clearly on the rise, um, and there's no Green candidate in that seat, which means the Greens got, I think, 1,800 votes there last time. A lot of those voters probably aren't even aware there's no Green candidate, but they're going to walk into the polling booth and they're going to decide who they're going to vote for. And some of them will vote Conservative, and some of them will vote PPC, but a lot more are going to vote Liberal and NDP. So that gives the Liberals a built-in advantage in a seat that the Conservatives could actually gain votes and still not gain that seat. Um, so it's going to be very, very tight. But really what we're looking at in the 905 is whether the Conservatives can pick up at best, maybe five or six more seats. We're not talking about, none of the polling seems to indicate that sort of sweep in 20. 
11 or where the conservatives could win, you know, a dozen or, or 15 uh, more seats. And just, just to interject there, I know you're going to get to the 604 in Vancouver, but I wondered, because this week, the sort of big news story was the Jody Wilson-Rabel book uh, coming out really damning against Justin Trudeau. And something else interesting happened, which is that the former liberal MP, Selena uh, Cesar Chavanez, came out and endorsed the Tories and, and said that she was going to be voting for her local conservative, which for, for, for a high-profile former MP to come out, and she, she's based in the 905, would something like that have an impact on the vote in, in, in her riding and, and sort of more broadly in that suburban belt? I look, it certainly helps the conservatives uh, and the conservative candidate there in Whitby, who, whose name I, I, I can't quite remember, but she's a she's a local city councillor. She's an extremely impressive candidate. So they've got a strong candidate um, and, and, the, and the endorsement from the former Liberal MP certainly helps. But I don't think we should overstate it. You know, in the last election, that Liberal, the, the former Liberal MP didn't run again. Um, and it was very, very clear about her disputes with Trudeau. She was extremely critical of Trudeau. And the Conservatives did better in that seat than they had done previously, but that's Jim Flaherty's old seat. It's certainly a seat with a Conservative base, and if there was sort of seats the Conservatives were going to do better in last time, that was one of them. So her attacks on Trudeau in 2019 weren't enough to deliver it to the Conservatives. Her endorsement, certainly helpful, will definitely move some votes, but is it 5,000 votes? Probably not. Is it five? It's probably closer to five hundred than five thousand, which might be make, might make all the difference. But it's uh, I, I don't think we should expect that she's got some magic switch that she you know she's a one term MP. Let's face it, right? And and she's the judge doesn't have the ability to instantly change the seat like that. Um, and then moving on to Vancouver, so I just I think there was a little confusion over some of the, the numbers we're seeing. Most of the numbers we're seeing are actually province-wide numbers in BC that show the Liberals in third place. Uh, and the city of Vancouver, the 604 region really includes all the suburbs of Vancouver as well, which is where what's really at play. Um, the seats in the city, I actually think the Liberals are going to gain one. The chances of the Liberals winning Jody Wilson-Rabel's old seat, I think, is ext are extremely, extremely high. Um, the if she'd run again, I think she could have held on, but she obviously decided not to. Um, but the, the further complication is that what we're seeing, broadly speaking, uh, some polls show the Liberals in third, some shows still show them in second. It's hard to say. Most polls seem to agree in British Columbia the NDPs on the rise. That probably means that there's seats. There's a couple of things happening. One is there's some seats NDP can win. So there's a seat uh, called uh, Coquitlam Port or, or Moody Coquitlam, which uh, the Conservatives won by a couple hundred votes last time over the NDP. Liberals were in close third. NDP chances of picking up that seat are very are very good. But on the other hand, there's seats like uh, uh, Langley Cloverdale, where the where the Liberals are coming hard and want to take that seat from the Conservatives. The rise in the NDP probably splits the vote unless the Conservatives uh, squeak through. There's other seats the Conservatives could pick up. There's a uh, um, uh, Coquitlam, Port Coquitlam, which we can end up seeing uh, a rise in the NDP, take some liberal votes and let the Conservatives win. Although like Richmond Hill, there's no Green candidate there and the Greens got about 4,000 votes there last time. Uh, which is certainly going to give uh, the Conservatives a bit of a structural disadvantage. So I think it's extremely tight. I think the Conservatives can win some more seats uh, in, in, the, in, in uh, the 905 and the broader uh, uh, Greater Vancouver region, but not a lot. There's not you know 20 or 30 seats here in the, that, that can be won. The other interesting thing that I just want to point out is that the uh, the, we, we've now have the, the total number of people who requested uh, mail-in ballots 
which is over a million Canadians are going to be voting by mail in this election, which is, I think, what 80,000 voted last time. So it's, it's a huge, huge number. Um, it, interestingly enough, it's far less than what Elections Canada was expecting. Elections Canada was, had in the spring was predicting between three and four million people would vote in it, would, would vote in, uh, in ballots in, by mail. And what's fascinating about this is that the, the top 10 ridings that I think nine of the top 10 ridings for uh, mail-in ballots are in British Columbia. And I think six or five of, of those top 10 are on Vancouver Island. Uh, and they're where the NDP is highly organized. I think the NDP is going to be, I think we're going to see some very interesting votes where the NDP has embraced a mail-in ballot strategy and most likely going to work their votes might be counted a little later, might be a little delayed. And we can see seats on election night, it looks like this NDP might be losing some seats and they win them in later parts of the count, which will be very interesting. And it also thinks the NDP is going hard after a place like Nanaimo and perhaps even Saanich Gulf Islands where the, where the Green Party's at play. Interesting. And so would that affect our ability to know who becomes prime minister on election night? Like, like how, how do you know how delayed these things will be and whether this will, this will turn into something like we saw in the last uh, U.S. election where it took, what, a week for them to certify president? Yeah, I don't think it'll be anything like that. You know, we, we generally still know within a few hours, um, you know, it might be, a, might be take four or five hours to know as opposed to, you know, two hours. Um, but it's also hard to say, you know, a lot of these seats are reasonably safe NDP seats, so so we'll see we'll see how that plays out. But like a million votes being counted this way, there's going to definitely be some disputes. But when they arrive, um, uh, there is you know there's the vote, vote the mail-in ballots have to be received by election day by, by I think five o'clock locally on election day or maybe by the close of polls. There's always going to be when was this. Does this bag of mail come in? Does it come in late? You know, so it, it could result in some very, very, in some very tight races ending up in some sort of judicial reviews and that kind of thing. Interesting. All right. I want to pick up on something else you mentioned when you were talking about the Richmond Hill seat. You mentioned how the PPC were the spoilers for the Conservatives in the 2019 election in that race. I think there was two or three ridings uh, that, that turned out that way. Uh, the story, one, one of the major stories of this election has certainly been the huge, huge rise and growth of the PPC. Uh, we mentioned this on our uh, debate night show that, that some polls have them up at 10, 11 percent. Um, you know, we, we, we've seen huge rallies and protests across the country. Uh, Trudeau is sort of turning them into his biggest campaign uh, foe and, and really uh, going after them in pretty nasty attacks. Um, so, so let's let's talk about the the, the rise of the People's Party, Maxime Bernier. Uh, first, do you, do you think Bernier has a, a good shot at uh, regaining his his own seat out in Beauce? I think it's extremely difficult to say at this point. The, the, the PPC's polling numbers in Quebec as a province are pretty poor. They're universally seen as, as their worst province. That doesn't mean there isn't something different going on in Beauce. And we've certainly seen my own, the, own, my, the poll that I did for, uh, for True North showed that the people turning their backs on government uh, and being concerned about government overreach is highest in Quebec. So I think there's the potential there. But Maxime Bernier has been traveling in the country. You know, Richard Lahoo, the Conservative uh, MP, has been uh, has been working the ground hard. So I think uh, I think there's a good chance Maxine Bernier will do better than he did last time, um, and, and it might be close. But if I had to bet, I'd say that, that, that Bernier probably won't win it. But I, I think there's I believe there's a greater chance of him winning it today than than I would have at the beginning of the campaign four weeks ago. And what about the the rest of the country? So even even if they don't have a a good shot at winning a seat. 
uh, is there a possibility that they will m make a difference in terms of uh, those close seats? I know you, you mentioned that some of the Green Party candidates aren't running. It seems to me that a lot of the people who might have voted for a protest party like the Greens uh, may have swung around uh, to support the PPC. The, the polls seem to suggest, I, I mean, given that you, know, you have a poll that shows the Conservatives leading and the PPC at 10 or 11 percent. I mean, it's not like that 10 or 11 percent came directly from the Conservative Party. They, the, the votes are coming from lots of places, it seems. That's exactly right. You know, I would say the general consensus is in the last election, the PPC, you know, Bernier had just left the Conservative Party. PPC probably got two thirds of its votes from Conservative voters. In this election, that number seems to be down to maybe 45%, maybe 50, but probably 40, 40, 45, somewhere in there. Uh, and the rest is coming from habitual non-voters, people new to the political process. So that always happens when there's a new party that drags, tracks people in who are new, uh, as well as liberals, NDPers, and Greens, and, and Quebec some block. Uh, who have, for a variety of reasons, you know, they've got questions about vaccines or have moved over to the PVC. I agree that I think it's actually probably going to disproportionately pull from some of that green vote um, uh, because you're right, there's a protest party. There's sort of people who vote for uh, smaller parties uh, are attracted to other smaller parties. So I think I think it's, it's going to take that, but it, but it will take, they are taking liberal and NDP votes as well. Um, but overall, it seems to be that the, the conservative vote is 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 where the mo is is the plurality, whereas last time it was the majority. Interesting. Well, thank you so much, Hamish, for this report. We're really excited for our election night coverage. You're going to be joining us for most of the evening, I believe, and helping us break down all the results, uh, making the calls when they come in, and helping us make sense. So ho hopefully, it won't be uh, you know an eight to 10 hour night like uh, like we've seen in the past. But uh, with those mail-in ba ballots, uh, who knows, we, we could be in for a long night uh, on, on election night. That's true. We'll see. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show.